Truth and Transcendence. Brought to you by Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. Truth and Transcendence, Episode 26 The Covid Regime, Understanding the Unjabbed. So last week we talked about understanding the jabbed, and this week we're talking about understanding the unjabbed. And just to clarify my terms here, by unjabbed I'm talking about people who've chosen not to have the jab, whether that be jab one, two, three, four, five, whichever number of jabs we're on at the time you listen to this episode. So these are people who at some point have chosen not to have any jabs at all or not to have another jab, having had the first one. And you may wonder why I would bother to make an episode about why people might choose not to have a jab. So, of course, at the moment, this is a highly um, emotive topic and very political and there are all sorts of opinions and and pressures and consequences and so on around this particular choice. But as leaders, it's vitally important that we understand the mentality and the psychology of our people to the best of our ability. Because if we don't, it makes it much more difficult for us to make the right choices that will then affect those people. So like I said, last week we talked about the jabbed and this week it's the the unjabbed, which is a minority worldwide, but it's a large minority. And leaders need to deal with people in the majority and people in the minority. Even if you're one of those unfortunate business owners or leaders who is now faced with firing people for not having the jab or not having the next jab, which is a horrible position to find oneself in. Whether or not you actually approve of that particular mandate, it's still not a pleasant place to be. And if you've got some understanding of the psychology of these people, surely that can only be helpful to you in terms of working out the best way to communicate with them and the best way to manage the difficult transition. So majority opinion says take the jab. So how come there's a large minority who have not done so? Why did so many people not go for it? Well, the first factor which I think is probably a very small minority of the minority, is those people who have a habitual, what I call nature nature cure culture. So these are people who've grown up in a family culture where vaccines and perhaps Western medicine in general were not part of normal behaviour and lifestyle. So for those people... When a new jab comes along, regardless of the quality of the jab or how popular it might be, their default position is not to have it because that would be outside of the norm for them. So like I said, I think that's a very small proportion, but there are people where that is the case. Then there's the factor around being able to work 
or socialise or travel. There are people who are able to work regardless of any vaccine mandates that may be in place. They may be part of the laptop laptop population. They may have other ways of working, which mean that they can carry on untouched, as it were, by some of the negative consequences of not having the jab. Some people are able to socialise regardless. Some people have actually formed their own private cultures in rural areas, perhaps, probably more so than in uh, urban areas, because in rural areas, these things can go unnoticed more easily, where they have been socialising all the way through, regardless, and are able to continue to do that and are perfectly happy doing that. And some people can actually travel regardless. This is tends to be people with with um, extraordinary resources available to them who can actually uh, take their own private jet and travel regardless because there's nobody standing there at the gate checking them and screening them before they're allowed to get on the plane. It's their plane. So there are people who who don't actually experience any pressure on them to to have the jab because everything in their lifestyle can continue as normal anyway. Some people will habitually say no to anything that is suggested by the government. These people have a habitual non-compliance with government which may be a family thing or a community thing, or it may also be an ethnic thing in some cases, where there's a particular ethnicity which says anything that the government suggests is going to be not a good idea for us. We're not going to do it. Now, that kind of habitual non-compliance is, uh, is not a thought-through, um, critically inquired, researched position. It's a habit. Some people haven't had the jab and won't have the jab because they consider it to be completely irrelevant, not important at all. And these tend to be people who consider the virus to be of minimal danger to pretty much everybody. Um, and that they do recognize that there are people who are highly vulnerable to it, but who, you know, they, they don't think that for, that for them having the jab is actually going to make much difference to anybody. Some people haven't had the jab because they believe that it's not good for them to have it. They believe that it may harm them, or they simply believe that it won't actually benefit them. So they're saying, well, I don't think it's going to benefit me. It may possibly harm me. So why would I take it? And these are very often uh, the same same people who have a nature nature cure culture. These are people who don't have caffeine, who don't have processed sugar. You, you know, often there are people who are very very fussy about what they put in their bodies. In some cases, these are people who have a distrust of Western medicine or big pharma. Now, it is very likely that the organizations that have that have produced these vaccines have benefited from it financially quite significantly now some people will say no to taking a treatment for that reason they'll say no 
I'm not going to contribute to you becoming even more wealthy. So that's a, a more of a political um, reasoning behind that particular choice in that case. So, so, so some people feel it's not best for them to take the jab. Some people feel they don't want to take the jab because politically they don't agree with um, the, the situation making money for people and they don't want to contribute to that or be party to that. Some people don't feel that, uh, that the jab is beneficial for the collective. Whether, it, whether, the, whether what they mean by that is that the idea that everybody taking the jab is good for the collective, maybe they don't think that's true, or maybe they think that if, if some people take it, that might help the collective, but not if they personally take it. For example, if they're a younger person, they might think, well, you know, I've, I've had COVID, I've recovered, or um, I've been around people who've had COVID and I had minor symptoms or whatever it is. So therefore, I'm not uh, a risky factor for the collective. So therefore, for me, it, it doesn't matter whether I take it when I'm thinking on behalf of the collective. For some people, they're doing the opposite of virtue signaling, which is rebel signaling. These are people who like to be seen to be the rebel. And so they might say no to the jab because they want to emphasize the fact that they make their own decisions. They will be a rebel come what may, because that's that's like being a, an exciting outlaw type. And sometimes people will not take the jab for that reason. Some people have no fear of the virus. They consider it to be of, of minimal um, danger to humanity and to the vast majority of humanity. And they compare it to other possible um, diseases that are around or have been around. And they reckon that it's not that important. So therefore, for those people, the very question of taking the jab is irrelevant. Some people are caught up in the rebel trend. This is different from rebel signaling. This is people who whose social group is rebellious and they jo they they're joining in with that because that's exciting for them or fun for them or gives them a sense of belonging a sense of meaning so that's more of a kind of social herding behavior some people have simply done their own research examined all the data they've been able to discover and decided that they're not going to do it and in any case it's their decision and they're not in any way impressed by any kind of um, recommendations or possibly pressure from outside of themselves. And some people actually believe that there is a some sort of sinister conspiracy. And this is based on the slightly disturbing fact that some of the leaders of the COVID regime have actually um, publicised philosophical points of view that suggest that they believe that the population of the planet is much too high and that we'd be better off if there were a lot fewer of us. Now, for some people, when they put that bit of data together with the fact that some of these people are the ones who are espousing the jab, um, and added to that the fact that it is an experimental mRNA treatment, 
actually find that very fishy and it's not a lot, it's not a big leap from there for some people to start to think there's a, a sinister conspiracy that needs to be resisted at all costs. So for some people, that is a primary reason not to take the jab because they consider it to be significantly dangerous, not just possibly a bit dodgy, you know, as in something that's only just been developed and not properly tested yet. So there are quite a few reasons why people might not have had the jab, ranging from a kind of disinterest right up to a fully-fledged conspiracy theory, um, almost terror-based reaction, and everything else in between. So as, as leaders, I think it's very important for us to be aware of this wide-ranging set of factors that could be behind any individual person's choice not to have the jab or not to have the next jab. And especially if you're in a position where you're having to let people go because of this particular position that they're holding, if you've got some sort of understanding of what their thinking might be, that can help you come up with whatever questions you want to ask them. It can help you craft whatever communications you need to have with them. And it can help you have a bit of compassion and empathy for people by recognising that that their choice is not just based on nothing, it's based on something, whether or not you agree with the thing that it's based upon. And if you haven't had the jab, or if you've had one and then not the next one, and so on, I wonder if any of these points that I've just made here actually apply for you, or, or, or if none of them do, what might be the case for you as to why you may have chosen not to have the jab? And as a leader, how is this understanding of others' choices important for you? And how might it help you to navigate these interesting and challenging times? And if you put this together with what we talked about last week, which is understanding the jabbed, can you see that all of these people are human beings and all of them are trying to make the choice that they think is the best choice based on wherever they're coming from in relation to that. Everyone has a different degree of um, comprehensiveness of data available to them. Everyone's got a different degree of autonomy or compliance in their personality. Everyone has different life circumstances which exert certain pressures upon them in one direction or another. Different people have different different fear um, quotients, if you like, in response to the unknown or in response to danger. We're all different and we're all trying to make our way the best we can. And one of the things that's been very difficult over this last couple of years is the polarising between the pros and the antis. First, it was the pro-mask, anti-mask, then the pro-vax, anti-vax the pro this, the pro that, the anti this, the anti that. And this schism that's taken place, I think, has been extremely damaging. 
and particularly in the absence of open public debate. It's been very difficult to reach a point where every, you know, for everybody to reach a point of equanimity where they can feel content and secure and grounded in whatever choices they're making and in dealing with other people in a fair-minded way. On LinkedIn the other day, somebody put up a post saying, is it all right to talk about political matters here on LinkedIn? And there was quite a good good discussion about it. And uh, a couple of people said something which I thought was absolutely right, where they said, look, this is a professional networking site. If you don't know LinkedIn, that's exactly what it is. It's a professional networking platform, a little bit like Facebook, but for professional relationships rather than social relationships. So um, as a professional platform, it's important that people are able to relate on there and, and cooperate and collaborate and so forth. And some people were saying that uh, talking about politics can get in the way of that because people can get upset and opinionated and fall out over something which has actually nothing to do with work. And I think that's absolutely right. And I think that has happened. People have fallen out. They've People have rejected friendships. They have lost jobs. People have stormed out of jobs. People's businesses have gone bust. All sorts of things have happened due to this schism. And I think that's unfortunate. So I'd like to just invite you to really consider how well informed do you feel you are around some of the background factors contributing to people choosing to have the jab or or not have the jab? And to what extent does that fit with your understanding of the psychology of human beings in general? Because this is not the first time in history that we've had a situation where there's there's the the yeses and the noes. All the way back through history, this has taken place. And all the way back through history, there have been many layers of psychological factors at play. And this is no different from that point of view. So how well informed as a leader do you feel you are in terms of understanding your people? And how well grounded do you feel you are in your own point of view? How well informed are you? To what extent have you compared yourself perhaps to some of these different factors that that I've been talking about? Next week, we're going to be talking about you finding your own place to stand in relation to this whole question. And you finding your own place to stand is absolutely vital because if you're not grounded in where you're standing, that makes it very difficult for you to have empathy and compassion for other people who may have a completely different point of view from yours. It may make it more difficult for you to engage with those people and negotiate with them. So do tune in next week and and, and listen to that exploration because we're going to be discussing how to clarify and find your own place to stand in relation to this topic. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy your reflections on this topic and I look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to Truth and Transcendence, the regular weekly podcast 
from Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. For more information, head to yesyounow.today forward slash podcast.